there. Welcome to Latter-day Lesbian, the podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl trying to figure out her life. Can I um can I interject really quickly sure. about the gay girl part? Well, first of all, I'm Shelly. Oh, I'm Mary. Hi. In case you're worried you found the wrong uh, podcast. It's us. Okay. So that made me think of something, the ex-Mormon gay girl. Uh, we just redid our artwork for Latter-day Lesbian. and Who, who did who did that? We as in you, since I <laughs> Thanks, have Shelley. zero knowledge on how to do that. Zero. <laughs> Basically, Mary asks for my opinion. So half the time, I'm like, either one. Oh, you have a lot of input. Okay. Anyway, back to what I was saying. Sure. So, Lay it on me. We redid the art, and we had mostly awesome responses? reviews and responses about it. I got this one message from a woman, um, and I completely respect her take on it, but I wanted to read it and then explain where I'm coming from on this because I think there are probably a few people who, who feel this way. This person says, love your logo, but one sensitive suggestion. I find as a woman, I struggle to stand up for myself. It makes me crazy when I get demeaned by mostly men and older women. I get dear, hun, sweetie, sweetheart, etc. Sometimes it takes every ounce of my being to stand up for myself. I work in a male-dominated industry. I gently and respectfully suggest that you refer to yourself as a woman, not a girl. Don't demean or minimalize yourself. You have wisdom, experience, and worth. You are not a child or a little girl. Spoken with love from one grown-ass woman to another. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening, the person who sent this in, thank you. I really appreciated that, and it gave me a chance to sit and think about a lot of things, actually. And first of all, the reason an ex-Mormon gay girl was chosen... It's more of a branding marketing thing. Sure. After I received this message, we tried saying, you know, ex-Mormon gay woman. It didn't go. Ex-Mormon lady. It didn't. It just didn't flow. And we already said the word lesbian in the title. You can't repeat it in the tagline. You're right. We can't say lesbian again. It's true. So, Although, what's better than one lesbian... No. <laughs> Ten? I know what's the right answer. <laughs> I don't know. So as I was thinking about this, I tend to call people girls you and boys. You say girl a lot. Yeah, I do. And you I call men boys? Sometimes I do. I don't know. For, to do? me, it's a very familiar kind. Well, you refer to yourself as a girl a lot. I do. I, I feel that way. I, I don't, and not that I don't think I'm a woman. I know that I'm a woman, but for some reason, and I, and I, I really put a lot of thought into this, I feel like the term girl is more of a casual, fun, friendly way to refer to someone. I don't look at it the way this person looks at it as being demeaning. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's not demeaning if someone calls you that. This is just my own. We also say lesbo. We do. And and here's a story that I want to share. Okay. And those of you who get squeamish when people talk about, when women talk about their periods, you might want to fast forward by a minute. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to start out with a story. Okay. My mom never spoke with me about what periods were, ever. I actually learned about what they were from a friend because we were watching TV and a commercial for maxi pads or something, this is back in the 80s, it came on and I was laughing like, what? Ha ha. Like I didn't know what it was. Right. And so I was laughing. And then she told me, no, it's because when you start your period, you bleed out of your vagina for like five days every month. So that's what happens? That is what happens, <laughs> Manny. And I just cracked up because I thought she was joking with me because I couldn't even imagine that would be a real thing. And she told me, no, no, this is... That's, How old were you again? Um, This was in Alabama, so I would have been in fourth grade. I had no clue what that was. Well, you had no older sisters either. I, I didn't. I had no mm -hmm. older sisters. My mom is of the generation where you just don't talk about really anything. And so when I was in sixth grade... 
it was the summer after sixth grade. I was 12 years old. And my mom, how she told me about my period was I found a big box of maxi pads in my bottom drawer in my room. Like that was huh. it. There was no conversation. She it didn't was let like, you know that it was down there? Was no, it was there? just in there. And I'm I'm like 99% sure it was the weird kind that you wear with a belt, like the old school <laughs> kind, like no 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 stickiness. I know. Thanks, mom. No wings. No wings. <laughs> no, no sticky thing to stick to your underwear. It was like the kind that you attach to a belt like it's 1940. Well, think about it. She would have had to worn the belt because she wouldn't have worn her uh, temple garments correctly otherwise. Oh, yeah, you're right. So she had no choice. Again, something that I had no idea about. Yeah. Um, Which is disgusting. It is disgusting. So that was the entire talk that I got about my period. Which is not a talk at all. You no, just it's not discovered. A talk. It's like you and, discovered. And had my friend pads. Spring, which is her name, I remember her name, Spring Hale. If you're listening, which I doubt you are, that was you. You taught me about my periods. <laughs> um, way to go, Spring. Way to go, Spring. Had she not told me, I never would have. I never would have known. And so I had no idea what to expect when I got my first period. And of course, because God hates me. I started my period on the day of my 12th birthday where I was having a huge party with all of my friends and we had oh, a pool nice. in the backyard, so it was going to be a swimming party. <laughs> and God hates me, so he decided the day of my swimming party would be the day that I start my period. Well, God knew you were a lesbian. You didn't know it yet, but mm, God He was pre-punishing. Knew. He was pre-punishing. That's like foreordination. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you know that? That's a Of Mormon. course I don't know what that is. How <laughs> would I know what that is? I know, but it's such a Mormon thing. Pre-foreordination. What? Foreordination. This is another topic. What's foreordination? Just quickly. It's where in the pre-existence, again, a Mormon term, before you're born, you're a spirit, you are foreordained to be something amazing on earth, meaning God has already said you will be... A lesbian. God wouldn't say that, <laughs> according to Mormon standards. Foreordained to be the prophet or foreordained oh, to something, geez. to do something amazing. Who knows? It's so stupid. It's crap. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I started my period actually the night before this party, right? Mm. And I had no idea what it would be like. So, of course, I go to the bathroom and realize, oh, I'm bleeding. Okay, this must be my period. And so I went to bed. At least you didn't think you were needing to go to the hospital or something. No, I knew what it was. Thank you, Thank spring. you to spring hail. Mm-hmm. So I put on one of these like pillow thick pads and and went to bed. Did you use the belt thingy? I don't remember. I didn't know what to do with it. I just kind of shoved the shoved the thing, you know, in my underwear. Is this too graphic? I don't think so. We're not really talking about much. <laughs> okay. If you guys want to hear this, don't. But it's a big window into the relationship with my mother. And, okay. Um, yeah. So I went to bed. And in the morning I woke up. And again, plug your ears if you're squeamish. Your first period can be very, very heavy, and and I didn't realize how it would be. And so I stood up to get out of bed, and I'll just put it mildly, it was a torrential downpour of a mess. Wow, I'm surprised you didn't bleed out. That's what it felt like. And I was horrified, and I'm standing in my room afraid to call for help because my mom and I don't have that relationship. I mean, I know what's going on, but I'm kind of stuck standing there having to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? And so I somehow made my way to the bathroom, and in my mind now, oh, this is a period. You basically bleed like a fire hose for five days. I thought that's how it was going to be every single day. Mm-hmm. And I was just devastated. Like, oh, my God, this is the period? Wow. Another reason why you didn't want to be a girl, of probably. Of course. Yeah, of course. Does this have to do with a girl woman thing yes. still? Okay. Yes. I am on. I am on track, I promise. <laughs> okay. So I got cleaned up, went back, laid back in bed, and because it was, I was depressed. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is it." 
And my mom came in and sang me happy birthday. And then she's like, are you excited for your party? And I just start welling up with tears. No. And, you know, she looks at me and she's like, what's wrong? And I start crying. And I don't know, maybe her mother's intuition. Maybe she'd been in the bathroom. I don't know. She says, did you start your period? And I nodded my head and just cried profusely because I was horrified at what I thought I was going to have to endure for five days every month. Mm -hmm. And she gave me a hug and she says, I'm so proud of you. And then she says, this is God's way of reminding you every month that you are now a woman. Thanks, God. Yeah. And so (laughs) I was like... This is God's reminder to me that I'm a woman. That God hates you. That God hates me because I'm a woman. (laughs) That I'm going to bleed gallons every day for five days for the rest of my life every month. And that sucked for me. To make it all the worse, as I laid in bed, of course I told my mom I didn't want to be part of the swim party. You just tell everyone that I'm sick. Mm. Because people were going to be coming over any minute now for this party. It was going to be an all-day thing. I said, just tell them that I'm sick. And my bedroom was right off of the foyer. There was like a slatted door between my bedroom and the foyer. And as people were showing up and I heard kids coming in and then I heard my mom telling my friends' moms, oh, Shelly's started her period today. She's a woman. Thanks, mom. And I was mortified. It Mm -hmm. was because it was something that we hadn't talked about at all. And it was something that was very hush-hush and private and gross and you just don't discuss or whatever. Plus, it's one more thing your brothers probably made fun of you Oh, of course they made fun of me. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah, they love to do that. Yeah. So being a woman to me has not really had a good... Connotation. Connotation. There's Mm -hmm. also you're a young woman in church, and woman to me just seems like... Like... I don't know, like like old and controlled. And I know that's not really what it is. Like old, controlled, you have to be this way, you have to be proper. I remember when my dad came out to visit a while ago and I had my head shaved in the back and the sides, which looked really sexy, by the way. Loved it. Um, (laughs) He didn't think it was sexy. He didn't. Which is the right response. (laughs) When he first saw me, I had my hair up in a ponytail because I had gone to the gym and so he could see that it was all shaved and he didn't say anything. And it was then, just a bottom layer. Yeah. It's, you it's, have a lot of hair, I by do. the way. I do. Yeah. I could shave half my head and you wouldn't even know, you don't know when it. my hair's down. The next day that he saw me, I had my hair down and he said, oh, I like that with your haircut, when you have your hair down, you still look like a lady. <laughs> and to me, lady and woman are in the same ballpark. You know? So if you have a shaved head, you don't look female, I guess. Yeah. And look, I need to look like yeah. a lady. I need to look like a woman. I need to look mm-hmm. a certain way. And I am so not surprised that was his reaction. Of course it was his yeah. reaction. So anyway, going back, we're not going to change the name. I so appreciate the comment that she sent in. I totally get where you're coming from. I don't in any way mean for the term girl to be disrespectful or to mean little girl. To me, it's it's that's me. That's who I am. It's I'm just a girl. Cash. You know, I have a friend, I'm a casual female. Yeah, I have a friend who uses the term gal all the time. That seems very old-fashioned to me, but it's, you know, she's kind of made it her own, and she's a lesbian, so no, she's don't. not, like, trying to belittle anyone by right. by throwing that expression out there. It's just kind of her thing. Right. Yeah, so whatever. Yeah, so those of you, if it kind of bothers you, my apologies, but it doesn't mean to you what it does to me, and if I were to switch it to make it feel better for you, it would not feel good for me. I just like the alliteration of gay girl. And there's that. <laughs> so there you go. And there's that. <laughs> I just think you were you identified sort of masculine sure, growing yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love thinking of strong woman. That's mm-hmm. that's great. But still to me, woman comes across as wearing a skirt 
and okay. and being proper. The woman's department. Yeah, and that's just me. Uh-huh. That's that's me. I know it's not probably what most people out there think, but that's how it is for me. And so I'm gonna stick with girl. Okay. Well, you stick with whatever makes you comfortable. Thank how about you, that? baby. Sure. Yeah. Plus gay girl, you know, alliteration. Yes, yes. Going back to that. Alliteration. <laughs> okay. Okay, so now we're back to the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Now that, okay. now that we've cleared that up. Do we want to go into a listener email? We do. Okay. So let me set this up. I okay. know we talked last week about how you don't turn down callings, meaning if your bishop says, we are calling you to be the teacher in Relief Society or the young men's president or whatever it is, you don't turn that down because he will say, God called you to do this. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this is all new to you. Listen to the last episode. We, we talk about it then. But yeah. we did receive a listener email about that, and it was fantastic. You want to read that? Yeah. So she starts out talking about a prophet, SWK. Who is that? Is, that is Spencer W. Kimball, who was also the lovely man that wrote Miracle of Forgiveness. Yeah, we Horrible need to book. start quoting that book we soon. Do. We do. Okay, so she says, SWK said, church callings come from the Lord, so you have to accept them as you cannot refuse the Lord. Plus, it is supporting leaders, so you can lose your temple recommend if you refuse. Really? Yeah, uh, one of the temple recommend questions is, do you support your leaders? I don't know exactly how it's worded, but yeah, you have to support your leaders. Wow. Yeah. Nutty. Okay, so you can lose your temple recommend if you refuse. You are supposed to stretch yourself to fit the calling if you don't feel like it is a thing you naturally can do. Yeah, it used to be always called magnify your calling. Magnify? Yeah. What does that mean? Um, like make it bigger, like grow, grow bigger to fit into it. Read okay. the next line and I think that will help. Oh, yeah. During the 60s and 70s and earlier, people were called as ward organist, etc., and they had to learn to play the organ. Yeah. How is that even? You can't just learn to play the organ. Well, if God calls you to, then you think that God has placed some special mantle on you. That's another Mormon term where you will have extra oh, ability to learn the organ or to teach You're suddenly the youth a rain or man whatever or something. It is. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. You can't just pick up an instrument and expect to know how to play it. Especially mm. the organ is really challenging. I hope my friend Julie is listening, who is an organist. Mm. Hi, Julie. And a choir director. Mm-hmm. Uh, organ's really hard. And yeah, there's she, like foot pedals and whatnot. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I can't believe someone would be expected to just suddenly know how to play the organ if they were called to do it. Yeah. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yep. Okay, so she's saying, my most dreaded calling was nursery because I had five kids and foster children and church was my only break. Plus, I hate crying babies. Oh, man, poor lady. Mm-hmm. And I vomit at changing other people's kids' diapers. Mm-hmm. So what did I get called to do? Well, nursery, of course. I had cancer at the time, and some people complained to my bishop because my husband would come in and play with the kids as a support to me. Why wasn't he allowed to help her out, Shelly? Because he wasn't called to that. He was supposed to be doing something else. I know. There were over 20 kids and only me in the nursery room, and I had to bring all the snacks every week. So not cool. This woman was in a calling she just couldn't stand. Yeah. Let's face it. Who is this from? Uh, Sandra. Sandra, thanks for writing in. Yes, that was awesome. It gave us a lot, a lot to think about. I always had callings with the youth, whether it was primary, the little bitty kids, or the teenagers. I was also in nursery, which is like the babies. A lot of times I I just wanted to be with the grownups because I was with my kids all day long. I homeschooled for like three years, and I was with my kids all day long. Mm -hmm. 
And then Sunday, I would have to be with other people's kids for three hours. And it was like, can I just get a freaking break? Yeah. And they didn't consider that. They didn't consider what might be better for the person. They were just kind of filling slots, as far as I'm concerned. And then they would think, well, so-and-so has kids, so she must be good with kids, so we'll put her in there. I mean, filling slots, or was it a calling from God? Well, I think it's filling slots. Mm -hmm. They want to say it's a calling from God so that you won't turn it down. Right. It's manipulation. It's total manipulation. Yeah. Complete manipulation. So Sandra also had a question okay. for you, actually, and I would like to read that. And Sandra writes in consistently with some really good questions. Sandra and is fantastic. Thank you, Sandra. Yes, thank you so much. Okay, Sandra says, on a podcast soon, how about today, <laughs> can Mary give tips to the partners of ex-Mormons for tolerating all the emotions ex-Mormons who were TBMs go through without losing their patience and saying, just move on already. She's, Survival I think, tips? Yeah. <laughs> she's asking for you to give tips to other people in your situation. Right, right. Where you're having to deal with me. It's like, I haven't been a Mormon in a while. I still complain about it. I'm still traumatized by it. And you have been able to not say, oh my gosh, just move on already. Because it's not helpful to say that. So what are right. what, what's your advice to someone in your situation? Well, I think it helps that I believe I have empathy, but I am not an empath. So I don't take on your emotions, for instance. Mm-hmm. I can listen to your stories and have the appropriate responses because it's crazy, most of the stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't ever feel like I am now downtrodden because it ha- in a way it happened to me. I just don't do that. Gotcha. Right? So that's helpful. Also, I feel like your stories are fascinating. The crazy shit you went through, <laughs> right? Good, good. So I'm never bored by it. Right. I think the challenge is when you're with someone who has anxiety and depression yeah. and, you know, it could be situational, it could be um, hereditary, it could be a combination. I'm sure a lot of it is your upbringing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of it is that. And just you trying to now figure out how to have a voice, how to stand up for yourself, and also wrestle with the guilt of disappointing family members when you're not doing exactly what they think you should be doing. I'm right. sure that's really challenging. Yeah, That is maybe the biggest challenge is I find that you have a lot of mood swings because of your anxiety and your depression. And sometimes I just need to find time for myself. Right. You know? Because yeah, um, you can't be there for somebody 100% of the time 24-7. That's you, right. You have to carve time for yourself and do some stuff that you just want to do. Yeah. And then that hopefully recharges you so then you can be a support. Right. One other thing that's really helpful about you in particular, because I have dated other women who have anxiety and depression problems, a lot of times they just don't want to let you in. They want to just be in their dark place with like doors closed, literally and figuratively, and not have you part of their world when that's happening. And and you don't really do that. I can tell you emotionally withdraw a little bit, but mm-hmm. you always physically want me close to you, mm-hmm. which makes me feel part of your world even when you are in that sort of dark place that mm. you might not want to be real chatty and you have trouble making eye contact. True, yeah. But you want me physically in your space right. and you always let me know that you love me and you lean on me, which is super helpful to me. So it's a Good. combination. It's not just what I do. It's the fact that you don't push me away. Mm. That's Amazing. Okay. I don't know that I could hang in there if you pushed me away. 
And at the same time, it would not be beneficial to me at all if your attitude ended up being, look, just get over it. No. Well, that's not my personality. It's not. It's not. And it, I need to be heard, clearly, because we're doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and even if you don't understand completely, you feel my hurt and my pain. And so regardless of why I'm feeling it, yeah. whether it might be a ridiculous reason or not, it doesn't matter. You know that I hurt, and so you are there for me. And that's that's beautiful. It's, it's, to me, that's unconditional love. It's not, well, this is a ridiculous thing for you to be sad about, so I'm not going to be there for you. Yeah. It's, oh, you're sad? I'm here for you. Right. And typically the sadness comes from something related to um, dealing with getting out of this Mormon thing. It's It's rough. It's hard. Yeah. And... I know we laugh and make fun of the ridiculousness of it all, and it might be easy for you to say, this is ridiculous, get over it, why are you sad? But you've never, ever said that to me. I don't feel that way. You don't, yeah. No. And so that that is some, I think, really good advice for you to be giving to people who are in your situation. Well, it's helpful that I don't actually feel that way. And so if you're listening and you do kind of feel like you want your person to get over whatever it is, maybe don't tell them that. Yeah, don't, don't, don't say that. that. Yeah, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, I suggested that you go to a therapist. You did? I sure did, did do that. Mm-hmm. And you did ultimately go. I did. It took a while. Yeah. Um, which I think has been really helpful to you. Yeah. Yeah, getting your story out, even if you have to repeat some of the same things. Maybe that's hard for people to hear. It's like the same stories over and over, and then there doesn't seem to be progress. I'm not sure what the issue is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But... Um, that's okay. Sometimes it takes more than one telling of a story to feel better about something. Absolutely. And that's okay. Yeah. Hopefully I am a safe place for you to confide in. Uh, you are the safest place. You really are. That's wonderful. And I love you. I love you. And everyone's gagging right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more related story. I dated somebody for a year that also had anxiety and depression issues And she needed to go to the emergency room one day for something that, you know, you could look at it and say probably wasn't an emergency room visit. They did treat her, but I could have driven her to the hospital, in other words. Okay. So the paramedics come. She is in pain. And I'm moving the sofa out of the way so I can get the gurney in or whatever. And she suddenly is now in less pain and able to walk and that sort of thing. Mm. So you know how expensive it is to actually accept the ride from the paramedic, especially in the Northern Virginia area? Oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah, crazy. So either later that night or the next day, we were dating, but we were not living together, and she wanted me to spend the night again. And I said, absolutely. I said, but tomorrow, if you feel like you need to go to the hospital again, let's not call the paramedics. I can drive you. Mm-hmm. Just lean on me. I will drive you. I would love to do that. And she interpreted it as me saying, you're not allowed to call 911. Hmm. That's what she interpreted it as. And that always hurt my feelings. I wasn't telling her that the hospital, if she felt like she needed it, was not an option. But the fact that she didn't want to lean on me in an emergency, she felt like she needed to leave it to the professionals and pay the expensive price tag for it. And I felt closed out of that conversation. You you definitely need to feel needed. Mm Mm-hmm. That's true. And I love that about you because I am very needy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there are times when I feel like, wow, this might be a bit much for Mary. Um, But it never has been. And you're so safe to me that I've been able to tell you, Mary, I feel like I'm putting too much. And I'm worried 
and we've always been able to talk about it. I think that our communication has been what saved us from any horrible outcome in our relationship because we've always been so honest. Yeah. It's very vulnerable for me to be crying and tell you, Mary, I feel like I'm putting too much on you. And that's why I'm upset because you could come back and say, well, you kind of are. And then I would have been devastated, you know, but I trust our relationship enough. I trust you enough that my being as vulnerable as I can be is never going to backfire. Mm -mm. Well, yeah, you do confide in me and look to me for support, but I look to you for those same things. Absolutely. It's not one-sided. That's true. And also... In this equation, you're not giving yourself very much credit because I have seen you become so self-reliant compared to probably when I first met you or even before, you know? That's true, yeah. Yeah. It's been a long year and a half. Lots of changes. (laughs) Lots of changes. (laughs) Lots of good changes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, we rely on each other, Mm -hmm. and you rely on yourself more than you ever have. Sometimes I will say things like, because you, I don't know, it's like you forget a lot of things. Or, this is true. I get very distracted about Is that what it is? Yeah. Or do you not trust your memory that it's going to be accurate? Or are you just not paying attention the first time around? Um, sometimes I think I'm paying attention, and then a minute later I've forgotten, and I'm like, oh, gosh, what was that again? And I have to ask again. Mm-hmm. It's not because I ignore what you've said. I just I think that I'm listening, and then I have 15,000 other things in my brain, and suddenly I need to recall that number or whatever it was that you told me, and it's gone. Right. Uh, but I ne- you will ask me like 10 times. No, I will. I, I, you're right. Not twice. Not even three times. Ten. But like this 10 is times. True. And you're very patient with thing. me. And I try to be better about that because I'm sure it can get annoying. I don't know if this is patient, but sometimes I'll say, again? Again with this? Mm-hmm. And I say, yep, again. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm a scatterbrain. Yeah. I am. I forget things easily. I have so much going on in my head. And you can say something. And as I'm processing what you've said, I'm also trying to process 14 other things that are going on. And something's got to give. And a lot of times it's like a number mm-hmm. or a name or something that's not um, easy to remember mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. That probably gets irritating. Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. You don't get irritated very easily. You're very patient. Yeah, and whatever. We can make a joke about it. That's true. You know, and we can talk about it. We can mm-hmm. make a joke about it. And it's not like I have to bottle something up that might be an irritant. I get right. to just talk to you about it. Yeah. I think for sure. And I don't know how this turned into the episode of uh, relationship therapy, <laughs> but it is. Enjoy. Um, for sure, we don't let things build up. And that's nice. I know in my marriage, things built up a lot. And so then when it came out, it would be an explosion on both sides. Yeah. Uh, which any therapist will tell you is not a good idea. So we do talk about things as they come up and we talk about them kindly. We don't let them build up to the point where when we talk about them, it's like we're so pissed off about it because it's been bugging us for so long. You know? No, we don't. We don't really respond in anger and we also don't have a list going. Mm-hmm. This is the other thing about arguments that can be so harmful is when you're arguing about something and then you bring up like the list of past oh, things. right. You know, and then this and then this and then suddenly We do stay about, on topic. Yeah. yeah, and we don't really, we don't argue a whole lot. We really don't. Anyway. We're lovers, not fighters. <laughs> <laughs> we can just sort of have a discussion. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And we also don't take ourselves too seriously. Very true. And so we can make a joke about our, quote, mm-hmm. shortcomings, mm-hmm. you know. That's true. Yeah. So that's helpful. Mm-hmm. So did that answer your question, Sandra? Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Was that 30 minutes a good answer, Sandra? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much was a 30-minute discussion. Uh-huh. It's hilarious. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about something exciting, Patreon. Oh, yeah, we teased this last week, 
And we're going to super tease it right now because we're going to release like tomorrow or Monday. Yeah. Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. So by the time this is released, we will have launched Patreon officially. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? You go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Yes. Patreon.com slash Latter-day Lesbian. Yes. And what happens when you get there, Shelly? When you get there, you will see our Patreon page. There's a video you can watch. There are tiers that you can sign up for. These are subscription tiers. Do we talk about them right now? Why not? Yeah, so the the, the video is like a welcome to Patreon yes. type yep. of video. Yes. Yes. And then the tiers are, go ahead. Chill. One of our tiers, and I don't, I won't read it word for word because that's for you to do when you get to our page because it's fun. So tier one is the sponsorship shout out, and that's where we will give you a shout out on the podcast in appreciation for you sponsoring us. Yeah, so that's kind of a one-time thing. So yep. we'll say, today's episode is brought to you by, and, and you your name. have your name And mentioned. by the way, if you don't want your actual name read, because I know some people are sensitive about where they are in the church, you make up a name. I don't care. Whatever name you want it to be. Right. We'll, we'll shout out that name. Tier two is a handwritten thank you card, and we are going to put you on our Christmas list. Remember the horrible Christmas, Christmas letter? letter? Yeah, the Christmas letter list. So you will okay. start receiving Christmas letters from us. That ought to be good. We're I know. have a good time with that. I know. Tier three, then, is going to be access to Latter-day Lesbian, the after show. Mary, what's that? The after show is a video where we, on camera, talk about our podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so each podcast will have its own after show. Going back and re-listening, it's kind of funny to do that and then talk about what our reactions are to listening to our old podcasts. Right. I say old podcasts when, what are we on, 13? I know. Back in yesteryear. (laughs) Back in the day. (laughs) All those old podcasts. (laughs) Some of the after shows that we've recorded so far, we do fun things like read some funky Mormon hymns and talk about it. We've told some stories that we didn't have a chance to bring up on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, We laugh a lot. It's just a good time. And it's us on camera, so it's us on camera. So feel free to judge us completely. (laughs) We're putting ourselves out there. (laughs) We are. We We can start reading matriarchal blessings. (laughs) That's a tear I'd like to. uh, Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. I don't even know what that means, but that could be amazing. It could be. Okay. Anyway, so that's Patreon. We're super pumped, slightly nervous, excited, anxious. Let's give it a go. Yeah, and that URL once again is patreon.com slash latter day lesbian. Check it out. Check it out. Okay. So we should probably get back to the continuing story. Let's do it. Of Shelley and family leaving the church. I think where we left off, you had a meeting with your bishop. I did. To discuss uh, wanting to get out of your calling. I wanted to get out of my calling. Of yeah. Sunday school teacher. Correct. And we discussed all this last episode, so we don't need to go into No, we don't need to go into detail. But you know what? Something did occur to me. What's that? When he took your temple recommend away, you were still church going. Yes. He should have said to him, okay, feel free to take away my temple recommend. I'm taking away my 10%. You know how much money that would have been with you guys? It would have been enormous back then. Yeah, tit for tat. Even with my temple recommend having been taken away, they would have still expected us to pay tithing. Well, no, they don't get both. I'm sorry. No, I I agree with you, but it's not taught to you, hey, pay your tithing so you can go to the temple. They refer to it as fire insurance. You pay your tithing so you don't get burned as stubble in the second coming. Oh, my god. You pay your tithing so that you will receive blessings. That's a bribe. Of course it is. That is plain and simple. Extortion. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So the Mormon church extorted you and your family. Of course. And people like to say, oh, we pay tithing freely. Well, no. Fire insurance. Because if you were asked to give 
with no promise of anything. And by the way, if someone told you exactly where your money was going to go and you said, oh yeah, of course, I want to donate to that cause, that's not bribery. Mm -hmm. But if someone says, God says you need to give us 10% and we're not going to tell you what we do with it. But if you don't give it to us, you will not be saved. That's not a free choice, guys. You're not choosing for yourself. You're being manipulated. You're being threatened. It's guilt. It's extortion. It's extortion. This is not choice. Tithing payers out there, it's not choice. No. I remember having a conversation about this with one friend of mine, and I asked her if it bothered her that so much of her tithing money is going into putting like new carpet in this multi million dollar temples Mm -hmm. um, or to build a temple in Kenya. (laughs) <laughs> that like point zero 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 one percent of the Kenyan population wow. is even allowed to go into, and children are dying of starvation mm-hmm. in Kenya, mm-hmm. and instead the church is building a huge mansion with like chandeliers, That's so like crazy. millions of dollars. Are you okay with that's where your tithing goes? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, part of paying tithing is that you need to have the faith that the leaders of the church are being inspired by God as to where to put it. Uh And she goes, and once it's out of my hands, then it's on them. I'm like, why would you... You wouldn't go to some random dude in the street and say, here is 10% of my income. Now I'm going to trust you to do something good with it. Right. Why would you do that in a church when I can actually tell you the shitty places that it's going. How Mm -hmm. about City Creek Mall? The church bought a huge plot of land across from the temple and put in a mall. It's a moneymaker. A high-end mall, by the way. And they complained about how homeless people would hang out around the mall, (laughs) and they were trying to get the homeless people removed. Oh, wow. And there are signs all over the temple grounds on the outside saying, do not give money to panhandlers. Whoa. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You know what? Instead of building that stupid mall. How about a soup kitchen? Yeah. How about a soup kitchen? How about a homeless shelter? I feel like going off a little bit right now. There are church buildings across the country. And in Utah, if you're driving down the street, blink your eyes, open them, you'll see another church. They are everywhere. And yeah. I have never it's in my life, in it's huge. I've never in my life once, once heard of a Mormon building being used for a soup kitchen ever. Wow. Half the time they are just closed mm-hmm. during the week. Um, sometimes open for a couple hours in the evening for youth activities. All day long, they could be doing something in there. Yeah. And you know, you, you know what the dumbass reason was that somebody told me once when I questioned a church member? What? Well, it's, you know, the liability issues. What the fuck is that? The liability issues? How do other soup kitchens do it then? How does the Lutheran church do it? Yeah. How, do, how does the Methodist church do it? How mm-hmm. does the Lamb Center do it? They all do it without liability issues. Well, you know, the Mormons can't afford a good lawyer. Oh, so God, the Mormon go. is full of good lawyers. <laughs> but then I was told, well, you're not actually allowed to cook anything in the in the church kitchen, so it can't really be a soup kitchen. Well, that's bullshit because at the Lamb Make Center... Make a sandwich. Dave Larrabee, by the way, one of the most amazing people you will ever meet in your life. He's the director of the Lamb Center. It's a homeless, uh, sheltered, a daytime shelter and soup kitchen and thing in Fairfax. It's fantastic. I would recommend anyone in the area, go check it out. Donate your money. Donate your time. Anyway, they don't have permission to cook anything in their kitchen as well, but guess what? You are allowed to heat things. You know how many anything. meals you can make without cooking? Well, that's the thing. People donate warm meals that are served right then. Yeah. But the church is like, well, we can't. Why can't you? Some current Mormon listener out there, please give me a reason why all of these Mormon churches do nothing during the day but sit there empty and waste electricity if they're running their heat or whatever when there are people on the streets that are hungry, cold, 
homeless, you name it. Also, you know what else goes on in this area? There are churches in this area, not Mormon churches, mind you, Mm -hmm. churches in this area that take part in the hypothermia program, which is in the cold months of the winter, they open up their doors at night, they bust the homeless people in, they feed them dinner, and they let these homeless people sleep on the floors, on cots, when it's really cold out. Yeah. Do you know how many people could sleep in these Mormon church basketball courts? Every Mormon church has a basketball court in it for some reason. Do you know how many homeless people could sleep there at night and not freeze? For sure. But do the Mormon churches do that? No. Mm. They have more money than God. I'll say it again. And they don't do jack shit that matters with all of these buildings. Yeah. That was one of the huge reasons why I left, by the way is realizing that they actually were not being Christ-like with their money. Yeah. The realization that my husband and I had given tens of thousands of dollars in tithing. Yeah. And they were wasting it on building mansions for basically your top-tier Mormons to get into. Crazy. do baptisms for dead people. Crazy shit. When there are people suffering now, living people suffering now, Mm -hmm. when I finally made that realization in my heart, it was so easy to say, you know, bye, Felicia, I'm done. Felicia? It's from a movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, is this a Mormon thing? No, it's actually not. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, I kind of just ranted. That's okay. Oh, I know what I wanted to bring up, though, about callings. And I know this references our conversation earlier. You had mentioned uh, a couple podcasts ago about people aren't paid for their callings. But that's not entirely true, you found out. No, you're right. And I, I didn't find it out. I knew it. Stake presidents and under are not paid. Once you get okay. in, and I don't know the exact numbers, once you get into like being an, I don't know if an area authority is paid, I'm not sure, but the top tiers of church leadership, like the prophet and the 12 apostles, and I'm going to use what quotations because I do not think they're apostles. The prophet and the 12 apostles? apostles? What is yes, this? Yes, the prophet, his counselors, and then the 12 apostles. That's just what they're called. Is they, it just like followers of the prophet? No, they're called to like speak at conference and go. And they're called apostles. Yes. All right, that's not like ripping off Jesus or anything. Oh. <laughs> Mormonism say we are the only church that's set up exactly like it was in Jesus' time. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know this or not. <laughs> I'll let you say the line. Is Mormonism completely fake? There we go. I knew the line would come up. Yeah. So back to being paid. Yeah. The top levels of leadership in the Mormon church are paid beautifully. Mm-hmm. All of these people have like living stipends. I don't I don't know if it's the exact term for it, but they don't have to pay for anything. That's crazy. And they get a salary. And they get a salary. Mm. And so some of these higher level Mormons have two and three homes. Wow. And I'm all for people making a lot of money and buying whatever you want. I don't care. But if you were at the top and you claim to be Jesus-y, yet mm-hmm. you make enough money off the church to own three homes... Right, And there are people in the church who don't have enough money to feed their family, yet you are requiring them to pay 10% of mm-hmm. their income yeah. to be saved? You know what? Screw you, bro. Yeah. And these top 12, guess what they're exempt from? What? Tithing. They don't have to pay tithing. <laughs> There's the irony. There's the irony. So you know what? All you 12 up there, you got your money, you don't have to pay your tithing, and you are giving talks at conference, guilting people into paying their tithing? Mm-hmm. Screw you, bro. Yeah, that's fucked up. That is fucked up. I'm a little angry. Yeah, I can tell. So there, we cleared that up. No, not everyone works for free. The people that should be getting paid for working for the church are not. People who have to sign up to go in and clean toilets are not being paid. Right. The people who have to give of their time to teach the youth are not being paid. The people who have to take a week off of work unpaid to go to girls camp or go on high adventure camp to be a... A camp counselor? To be a chaperone for the kids. Okay. They actually lose 
a week's worth of income from their job, but they do it because God called them to do it. They don't get paid. Mm -hmm. All the people who should be getting paid are not getting paid. And the assholes at the top who are rolling in the money, mm -hmm. they get paid, plus they don't have to pay tithing, and they just get to be saved. That's so weird that they don't have to pay tithing. Yeah, isn't that great? I don't get that. I think maybe they consider their time okay. as tithing. They I think know. a little too highly of themselves. Oh, yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Whew, speaking of people at the top, should we get back to your bishop and stakeholder conversation? Mm -hmm. So after the revelation of your beer drinking and the temple recommend taken away... And being told I couldn't partake of the sacrament. Right, right, right. I left. Yeah, you went back to... You went, went back, back home. home. I was in tears. I was so angry and so hurt. I called my friend Brenda. Hi, Brenda. And was just yelling at her about the entire situation because I was so mad and so hurt. I got home, and I remember Brent was sitting in the backyard with the kids. They were all in the swings and stuff, and I went in there, and I was crying, and he was like, oh, my gosh, what happened? And I told him everything, and, of course, he was livid. Well, first yeah. he was like, why did you tell him? Mm. And I said, I don't know. I just thought he would understand. I'm too damn trusting. Yeah. For me, if someone is coming to me and crying about something, I don't switch to judgment. I switch to yeah. compassion mm -hmm. every time. Tell me why you're upset. Yeah. And that bishop, as soon as he heard beer, he switched to judgment like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. Like that was it, judgment from here on out. Right. That was so hurtful for me. Anyway, Brent got pissed off, of course. And so he wanted to go in with me and talk to the bishop. Okay. Brent was like, well, we're going to go in there, and I'm going to bring my scriptures in, and I'm going to point out to him how in the word of wisdom it doesn't say no alcohol. Barley drinks. Yes. So... We went in. And by the way, this time, the bishop did not know that Brent had had a beer with me. Okay. Brent kept his keep that on the down low, which I totally support him in that. We sat down, and Brent kind of said, well, bishop, I, I'm kind of upset with this treatment you're giving my wife, taking away her temple recommend. If you look at the word of wisdom in the scriptures, you can see that it doesn't talk about beers being bad. Mm -hmm. And so Brent has had his scriptures. is like, bishop, will you, you know, get your scripture out? Let's take a look. The bishop did not know where the word of wisdom was in the scriptures. <laughs> he didn't even know what it was that he was telling me I was breaking. Uh -huh. And for me, that started to put a big crack in my testimony. Because right. in my mind, I had been taught that these male priesthood leaders above me knew the scriptures inside and out. He well, had served a mission for crying to, out loud. Right? He was supposed to know his shit. Yeah. He didn't. Brent had to like get up and point to him on his scriptures. No, it's right here. No, other page, back one page, uh -huh, right here. Uh -huh. And I remember going, wow. Yeah. So then I felt like he wasn't as above me as I thought he was. Sure. Like he doesn't know what the fuck he's saying. Uh -huh. And so they went round and round on that. But of course the bishop just kept saying, well, modern day revelation, modern day uh -huh. revelation. So basically you can throw out the scriptures. Right. Throw them out because it's whatever the current prophet says. Mm -hmm. That's what God is saying. Sure. Apparently. So Brent, again, didn't tell the bishop he had beer. Bishop had no idea. But because Brent was supporting me and what I was doing, uh -huh. the bishop took away his temple recommend. <laughs> it's a took away his recommend for, for supporting his wife mm -hmm. in doing something that the bishop deemed sinful. Mm -hmm. So screwed up. Wow. So screwed up. So that meeting obviously didn't go well. It didn't go well. Didn't go well. And so we went home. And then Brent was like, God, that bishop just won't even listen. He said, I'm going to send him some links to some articles and some history that prove that beer wasn't part of the word of wisdom back then. Yeah. Okay, prove that Joseph Smith drank beer and that Brigham Young drank beer. Proof, right? So he gathers this stuff up, sends it to the bishop, gets a response from the bishop that says, I will not click on those anti-Mormon leaks. Links. 
They weren't anti-Mormon links. They were just like links to articles. Wow. Links to historical facts. Yeah. But he was so... Close-minded. Close-minded and so afraid of anything outside of the church publications that he mm-hmm. wouldn't even look. And it, it was, again, this realization of like, we're, we're fighting a losing battle. Right. Because this person refuses to listen. Mm-hmm. This person refuses to look into anything that he says he believes. He doesn't even know why he believes it. Yeah. That was, again, another eye-opener mm-hmm. of, of kind of losing respect, I think, for these men above me. Like, you actually don't know shit. You're not allowed to have an opinion or push back. No, Brent knew the scriptures mm-hmm. and knew actual facts. The bishop accused Brent of being cocky and mm-hmm. being um, prideful. Okay. And Brent's like, I'm not being prideful. I'm just trying to get you to look at actual facts. Yeah. Open your book, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You took this up with your stakeholder after this? <laughs> what? Stake president. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Mary, no I adore you. I adore you. I have no idea what this stakeholder. stuff is. What, what That's this? fantastic. Steak tomato, pres- tomato. Come on. <laughs> okay, Lord. stake president. Stake president is the guy above the bishop. This whole thing makes me want a steak, by the way. I am getting a little hungry. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we decided then to take it above the bishop and go to the stake president. Because in your mind, again, you're thinking, okay, so the person above him will actually have more spiritual knowledge. You still sure. think this, mm-hmm. but again, it ended up being bullshit. So we went to the stake president, who, by the way, was an ultra asshole douchebag. I'm just mm. going to throw that out okay. there. Okay, Don't hold back. I didn't. Okay. So we sat down with him. Oh, wow. I'm like getting a little PTSD thinking about it, honestly, wow. because he was so demeaning to me. Oof. I felt, again, like the stupid little kid who knew nothing. So you felt like a girl. I felt like a girl. <laughs> no, he had that air of, ugh. Sister DeWitt, you don't even know. You don't even have the priesthood. Let me tell you, because uh. I'm above you. Like, that was the feeling in there. Brent even felt it. Uh-huh. And it's hard for Brent to feel like someone's talking down to him. Well, he's a tall guy. He's a tall guy. So <laughs> when the attitude of the stake president was so harsh and so, like, talking down that even Brent felt it, you mm-hmm. know it was bad. Yeah. And so sitting there... Um, and again, I'm pleading my case. I'm like, you know, it's two beers maybe once a week to help. Like, why? Why is this something to keep me out of eternity? Why is this something that will keep me out of the temple? I, I'm no longer saved. Why? And he said, well, uh, if we start letting drinkers in, do we just let heroin users in next? Okay. That sounds about like what you're going to go to next. Yeah, I still, by the way, have not tried heroin. Heineken is a gateway drug. Heineken to heroin. Let's write a book. (laughs) (laughs) Comparing me to a heroin drug user, injecting heroin because I had two beers Mm -hmm. a week, it floored me. And then he said, what about your kids? When they find out that you drink alcohol, then they are going to drink alcohol too, and they're going to drink and drive as kids. Oh, okay. So questioning my parenting, Uh which pissed me the fuck off. Don't question my parenting. I know it's not perfect, but don't question my parenting because I have two beers. And by the way, it was helping my parenting because I was able to keep my temper under control on those days when I was losing it. Well, for sure. And you can be addicted to Vicodin all you want. Yeah. Go to Happy Valley and check in on how many Mormons are addicted to happy pills Mm -hmm. because life is difficult and they're not allowed anything else. Yeah. So he basically said I was a bad mom. Mm Mm-hmm. I was in tears. He compared me to a heroin user, again, Mm -hmm. in tears, telling me that they have to protect the Lord's church from people like me. Good Lord. It was almost like I was in shock. Yeah. Like I shouldn't have been, but I was still so close to the church that I didn't realize how horrible these people could be to me. Yeah. Okay. Stake 
conference is where a bunch of wards get together once or twice a year and they have people speak, like important people speak from the podium and you listen and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it's like a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. And just a few months before that, there was extra time at the end of state conference. And so the state president got up and said, you know, we'd like to invite some people from the audience to come up and share with us your favorite hymn and why it means something to you. And everyone just kind of sat there and the state president said, Sister DeWitt, what, oh, would Lordy. you like to come up? Because I had the reputation of being like stalwart amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, sure. So I went up and told about my favorite hymn and bore testimony and yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. Got people all inspired and shit. So just a few months previously, yeah. they were under the impression that I was amazing. And not a beer drinker. And not a beer drinker. But now user. that I have one or two beers a week, You're a I'm no user. longer, I'm, I'm almost a heroin addict and uh-huh. I'm a horrible mom. I'm no longer worthy to be saved. Right. Fuck you. I'll say it again. You know what? Fuck you for making me feel horrible in that meeting. Mm-hmm. That is not the way to run a church. That's not a way to be Christ-like. Yeah. Matter of fact, Jesus, if he existed, Bible Jesus. He drank wine at the Last wine, Supper. And he kicked people out of the temple who were being pompous jackasses. Mm-hmm. And he hung out with the lepers and the prostitutes and the poor people. Like, that's the people he hung with because they were cool. It was people like you, stake president, and you, bishop, that he threw out of the temple. I'm a little amped up. I guess you are. Hmm. So to wrap this up. Yeah, that's another 2% of my story. (laughs) (laughs) But you still didn't leave the church. I I didn't yet. I didn't. Okay. I needed a lot more slaps in the face, I think, before I was finally able to say, you know what? Y'all suck. Wow. And by the way, me saying that, Mormon listeners might be thinking, oh, yeah, see, we knew it. She got offended, and that's why she left. No, 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 no. Don't, don't mishear me. I didn't leave because of the people in the church. I left because the church is bullshit and harmful. But I left a whole lot faster because the people treated me like shit when I started questioning. Because you're not allowed to question. Mm-mm. No. I mean, I guess they're right. You do get offended, and you do leave, but it's offensive. (laughs) It is offensive, and I wasn't offended because someone was mean to me. I'm offended by the horrible doctrines they teach. I'm offended by the way they treat others. And they question your character. Yes. If it was all true, why would I want to belong to a religion where they thought God was okay with them treating me that way? Mm -hmm. I could find a religion elsewhere where they're actually nice. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Tons of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's to come? What's the next step? Should we tease the next step? Next step. So stake presence done. Uh, We have my dad's reactions, my in-laws' reactions, me discovering more falsehoods within the church. There's also me sort of going on a a path of side Mormonism for some time, which Mm -hmm. actually for me was a great first step away from Mormonism, and then I made the total step away from religion altogether. So there's still a lot there. Yeah. Lots there. Whew! Yeah. Buckle up, everybody. Buckle up. It's a bumpy ride. <laughs> <laughs> so more to come again. Always more to come. Always. Mm-hmm. Thanks for tagging yeah. along. And please, please check out Patreon. We want to know how it works. We want to know how you like it. We want ideas. Okay. But until then. Until then. Steer clear of cults, because <laughs> guess what? What? They are no joke. <laughs>